0: I, it popped up on my Instagram page and I was like, Oh my god, that is my dad and my heart just oh sank. My, oh my I literally god. just
1: that, Oh yeah, gosh, you didn't tell was, me that <laughs> <you know? laughs> seeing red the pod episode 74 where we discuss nebraska stories of strength resilience and politics today it's just me melody both stephanie and april have got other things going on from crazy life schedules to no hot water in their houses or actually what i actually think is the day we're recording is the most beautiful spring day on earth and so I think they just frolicked all day in the sun. They have massive sunburns. And then, you know, who knows what happened to them? So, that, so it's just me, friends. We're all friends here, right? Uh, you know, a lot of you know that I am on the board of Nebraskans Against Gun Violence. And I just, you know, since I have the space to myself, I'm just going to talk about it. Um, There was a gun bill that was heard in the legislature and it was filibustered. Uh, The filibuster was not successful. And I just want to, I just want to give like a quick and dirty about my thoughts. Um, First of all, the bill number is LB 773 and the bill is permitless carry. So the reason that I call it permitless carry is because that's a description of the bill that is accurate. The bill is there to remove the requirement for gun permits when people conceal carry firearms. The gun lobby calls it constitutional carry. Sometimes you hear irresponsible members of the press call it that. That is more like a political viewpoint that any gun law is against the Constitution. Now, we, of course, know through judicial reviews of many gun laws over time it is, of course, perfectly constitutional to have gun laws. So this is really just political rhetoric, and it is not an accurate description of this bill. So just, I want to throw that out there. Um, one thing we noticed in the filibuster, there were almost 17 votes. It was really close. It was really close. And then and then there weren't. Uh, three people that had voted to support the filibuster unsupported the filibuster, Uh Senator Blood, Senator Day, and Senator McAllister. So that was very interesting. They have to call from the floor because they've already been logged as having their vote. Um, that was very interesting. And what I want, are, you know, what I want you guys to know, is I want you to know the reason. The reason that these kind of bills can sail through is through the radicalization. Of our state legislature. It is much more radical than it's ever been in years past. You know, this is something Senator Steve Lathrop said on the floor. You know, he's not running because it's just, it's so awful. Um, Everything's decided before the vote. You know, like there's just no real statesmanship happening, there's no compromising happening. It is whoever can use the biggest fist possible can just ram the worst stuff through. And so that's what we're doing. So there's that side. But the other side, listeners, is people like me and people like you. And a lot of people that hold strong views and say, we need to stop gun violence. We Every time there's a mass shooting, we're like, we hate gun violence. We post every December – Oh, it's so sad that Sandy Hook thing. Oh, that Parkland thing was sad. That Las Vegas thing. Oh, so sad. We hate that. We got to deal with something like that. The problem is that we don't vote that way. And politicians that are seeking our vote know for sure that even if they vote wrong on the gun thing, um, we're still going to vote for them. They're not going to lose our vote. And the thing is, is that people who want gun anarchy—they don't feel the same way. They don't feel the same way at all. And so, I just want to kind of bring that up. Like when we do not, um, when we do not support candidates with our dollars, with our volunteering, with our advocacy that are running for office who stand for our values, for our proposed values, and we just go with. The person who just showed up with the most money or, you know, some, and they're just the most centrist. So we think they're the most electable. This is, you know, we really need people to, who are going to be advocating for our values. And so, you know, that's what I want to say about that. But enough of that. What I really want to do is bring on our next guest. She is, she goes by she, them pronouns. And we use she in the interview. Um, That she does go by both. And Eve Downing, she's the daughter of Jefferson and Diane Downing, who are board members of the Nebraska Family Alliance. And Eve is a young trans person who lives in Omaha. And so she wanted to tell her story. And so we're going to bring her on to tell her story. Let's go. So I am thrilled to bring our guest on tonight. We have Eve Downing. And Eve is the child of Jefferson and Diane Downing, who are board members of the Nebraska Family Alliance. Um, And Eve is super interesting. We've been talking all week. They are, um, they go by they and she pronouns. I think I'm just going to use she to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Does that work? Okay. So, and she'd really like to tell her story. About her childhood and how it feels to have your parents working night and day to take away not just people's civil rights, but their own children's civil rights. Um, so let's talk to Eve. Hi, Welcome Eve. to the pod, Eve. Thank you so much
0: for having me and allowing me to use your guys's platform as an opportunity to share my story. Um, Bring some hope, hopefully, and honestly, maybe be able to open some people's eyes to the um, destruction that is going on in Lincoln, Nebraska.
1: Yes. And, you know, we were talking earlier this week, and I think one thing that was, you know, we were talking about this idea of, like, it's really hard to be a trans person. Mm. All the time. It's like, you know, there's all kinds of obstacles, but it's especially hard when your parents are on the board of the Nebraska Family Alliance and they are working night and day um, to take away your civil rights. And, you know, it, it's just so hopeful to see like, but you grew up in that house and you have managed to come out and live your best life. You've got big plans, you know, and you're awesome, like, you are Thank awesome. You. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you. like it's just, um, <laughs> like I hope people find hope in that. Like, when there are hard moments, um, that there is an another side to that moment, and there are oh, moments of yeah. joy that come after the hard moments.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think when we first started, oh, when we first started talking, my mindset was like, you know, offense, offense, like, how do we take this down? What can I do? But I think it's really important for people to hear successful stories of trans people um, because a lot of the articles that I see, a lot of the news that I see about trans people, it's it's sad and it's it's not always shown in such a great light. And it's important for people to see, especially for young queer people to see that, you can grow up in the kind of house that I did and come out of it happy, successful and and just honestly survive.
1: Yeah. Well, on that note, let's talk a little bit about your childhood. So, can you describe as a little kid, you're like in your earliest memories, kind of like can you describe how your parents were? I mean like how what do you know about how they met and Just, like, how were they as parents of, as a young child?
0: Yeah, so um, definitely, like, a defining factor of my childhood and growing up was my parents were very strict. I did not have a lot of privileges. It was just a very controlled environment. And I'm sure a lot of it was out of fear of, like, their own fear of, like, the world and them as like Christians and they don't want me to go astray up from the path of Jesus and whatnot. Um, So there was just a lot of control over my life. And honestly, I was pretty scared of my parents. I genuinely loved them as a kid. Obviously I was a kid, but one thing I knew was like, I don't want to mess up. I I need to be perfect. Um, There wasn't a lot of room for me to like feel like I can make mistakes and come back from that and, you know, know that they would be in my corner.
1: You know, I was doing some research and I found an old article. I think it's from the Journal Star, but I'm not sure. But it, oh yeah, no, it's for sure from the Journal Star. And it's called Science for the Baby Times. And it's about sign language for babies, like Mm -hmm. teaching babies how to say more water. And one thing that really came out strongly to me, and it's just a little fluff article, right? And it's like a cute mom and her cute 11-month-old baby girl. And she really goes pretty hard on how important it is to teach 11-month-old children respect And that um, please and thank you. Mm -hmm. And I just was thinking back on my own children when they were 11 months and how whether or not they respected anything, it just, it was weird to me because developmentally, babies don't respect anything. Right. They're they're fully (laughs) consumed by their own need to survive during their most vulnerable time in their life. Mm -hmm. And they will do anything to get what they want. So if they're mm-hmm. signing, please and thank you, it's because they want more puffs. They want more, <laughs> they want more <laughs> baby carrots. They want more applesauce. It has nothing to do with respect. And it was, um, I don't know. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember I had to refer to adults as Mr. And Mrs. And if I refer to them any other way, I would be told like, you can't do that. Like, You have to respect these adults in your life or else, you know, you you can't do that. So very much respect, respecting your elders, respecting your adults was like very big in my life, especially my childhood.
1: What? Um, How was school? What kind of schools did you attend?
0: Up until high school, I was um, homeschooled. I did do some like co-op classes, but that was with other homeschooled families. Um, So for the most part, I did kind of like it. But as I was, as I got older, I just did not really feel like I had the opportunities to grow in the way that I wanted to um, versus like going to public school and you know, when you're homeschooled, it's even more of a controlling environment. You, um, the information that you are learning from your parents, it's going to be biased. And I definitely did not learn a lot of the, or at least didn't have, was not taught fully of like social issues going on in like our country and whatnot. So yeah, very, just control, control, control.
1: How would you describe yourself as, like, a middle schooler and a high schooler? Um,
0: I definitely, like, middle school, I was definitely a little more introverted. Um, I really loved reading, drawing, being outside. Um, I lived right next to a... Uh, a farm that was like grandfathered in, so I was able to, every like morning and evening, I would go and feed the pigs, the horses, the dogs and the cats, and like in the fall, I was able to go pick apples and apple cider with their family. So I definitely was more time to myself as a middle schooler, um, but as I got into high school, I um, originally went to um a lincoln um private christian school um and for my like freshman and um sophomore year and i really felt myself starting to kind of like blossom and come out of my shell starting to talk to people but then i got bullied you know young queer kid (laughs) going to a private christian high school it's it's not going to be a good mix it's a concoction for uh bullying so that definitely like kind of pushed me back into my shell but around junior year I went to uh, public school and I really really enjoyed it I was um, on student council I was I finally felt like I had like friends and um, the opportunity to meet new people and also being away from the house I was able to express myself in the way that I wanted to, because I was not, you know, my parents weren't able to like see me and, you know.
1: What about, why did you switch to a public school? How did you get out of a religious school to a public school? Was that something Um, you were asking for? Was that always the plan? Did all of your siblings, because you have a lot of siblings, don't you?
0: I do have a lot of siblings. Only one other sibling went to, uh, went to the uh, Christian school and I left just because of bowling and I told my parents I didn't want to, didn't want to be there, didn't want to do this. So the next option was public school. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. When did you know that you were a queer kid in a religious family?
0: Um, very, very early on. Uh, when I was identifying as a cis man, um, I obviously had same-sex attractions But nobody, nobody tells you what to do with those feelings or how to process those feelings. And obviously I had an understanding that my parents did not think this was right. So I just had to hide it away, keep it to myself. Um, And it was, it was hard because I just felt like, you know, I was a bad person for having these feelings and I didn't have any any trustworthy adult that I felt like I could go to, to express those feelings to and work those feelings through with. Um, And I definitely definitely feel like that just kind of held me back as a a person to be able to grow as a young adult as well, just because you're not able to express yourself in the way that you want to, you kind of lose yourself.
1: What about in your faith community? What did you grow up in a specific church? Did you hop around churches?
0: Um, I, uh, growing up, I went to the same church. Um, it was Presbyterian, Presbyterian uh, Zion Church. And I did have, I, I did, and I still do have some good friends from there who are, you know, I think with the younger generation of Christians or whatnot, They have a much better social understanding and bend the rules or whatnot uh, towards certain social issues. Um, And I did have some people who I was able to go to, um, other kids that I trusted. um, And I was kind of able to work through some of those feelings, but for the most part, it was just like, I have to keep this to myself. I have to stay safe. I have to protect myself. Can't talk to anybody else
1: about these feelings. Do you think when you're talking about younger Christians bending the rules, do you think that they're bending the rules like, I don't, like, how would I say it? You know, like, God's rules, maybe, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. are they bending God's rules or are they understanding God's message differently than their parents?
0: I think it's understanding God's uh, message differently than their parents. I I definitely think that. Um, I think. I used that term a little loosely, um, but I think the people that I'm specifically thinking of have like thought through all those teachings that they were taught and came to those decisions themselves.
1: Yeah, I think I, the reason I ask is I just know that different churches come to different decisions about what this means what that means and you know it seems like there's there's an arrogance about um if you are if you have the right interpretation or the wrong interpretation right like these are Mm
0: -hmm. if
1: it was so simple we wouldn't have a million pastors every single Sunday with new learnings (laughs) (laughs) if it was that cut and dry right so
0: I remember as a kid, my parents did not like Catholics. And I'm like, what? Aren't we on the same team? What's going on? I'm really confused right now. And it's just because, like, it's like a hierarchy, even in the church.
1: That is fascinating because, you know, both of your parents are on the board of Nebraska Mm -hmm. Family Alliance, according to the latest Secretary of State um, report. Mm -hmm. and that organization is very well aligned with the Catholic conference and like they are working towards the same goals so that's very interesting about that Catholic piece
0: something's not adding
1: up oh something is that's very weird um that's interesting so one thing that we had talked about which is a little bit touchy right is Mm -hmm. that you know, despite the respecting your elders, which sounds, you know, like just a very strict childhood, being around nature and like having great, I mean, who doesn't want to live near a farm and go pat horses every day? Mm -hmm. I mean, holy cow. Um, That is what a great way to get through anything that's hard. You told me there was something else that was hard about your childhood. Do you want to talk about that?
0: Yeah. And, um, as I talk about this, I do want to preference that I am speaking from my, my own experience um, and the only people that people should be frustrated with in this situation is my parents and the person who did this. Um, I don't blame anybody else in my family for not saying anything or sticking up. It was very it was hell it was you know it wasn't talked about a lot not a lot of people knew so with that being said um, I was um, sexually assaulted as a child um, by my older brother Hudson um, and the way that I feel like my parents handled that situation was not not great at all there was a million different things that they probably could have done but they chose to I don't know I feel like they also had their just their own interest in mind with the way that they handled things but I was sexually assaulted and they really only just kind of moved him around a lot. He went to the Christian high school. He went to military school for a while, which I'm like, that's a recipe for some, that's not, that's not gonna help anything. And just kind of moved him around a whole bunch. And by that time, you know, he's, a, he's an adult, he's moved out of the house. But during that time, I still had to see him And even after he moved out, I had to see him at, like, Christmases and family dinners and whatnot. And even though I expressed to them that it made me very uncomfortable, they'd be like, okay, well, you know, we won't. Or just kind of, I don't know, we'll have you guys sitting on opposite sides of the table kind of bullshit.
1: And then did it stop after they knew? Um
0: yeah it it did stop just because he was moved around so much that he wasn't at the house um, and you know they you know they sent me to counseling and whatnot to like try to help me work through those things but it was always a Christian counselor was not able to give me the like i don't know validation that I needed it was it just felt like it was very calculated to send me to the therapist that they did, um, just because they also had a control over the ther- that therapist, just because, you know, their views
1: aligned. When, gosh, that's just so tough. Yeah. Yeah. So this happens, your parents know, they fully know and they believe you, right? Mm-hmm. And and then they say, you have to share bathroom with this person. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, I don't feel safe. And they said, yeah,
0: it's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is very interesting because of the reasons that they're trying to change and overturn the fairness ordinance. There's that. It's a very sick irony.
1: It's a very sick irony. I'm just thinking about, you know, like, there's a very real risk of harm. Like, even if it wasn't a physical harm, like, that's a psychological harm.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, even just seeing your abuser is enough to send you into fight or flight, Mm -hmm. much less have to see them share a meal with them.
1: And, like, during this time, were you in middle school, like, high school? Um, were, like, I were you old say... enough where you could say, I'm just going to go to a friend's house if that person is coming over? Or were you too young to have that sort of autonomy?
0: I definitely was old enough to have that autonomy. I would say it was probably, like, middle school going into, like, freshman of high school. Sometime sometime in that
1: time frame. So you weren't driving yet? None of your friends were driving yet?
0: No, no. Right. But I definitely was old enough to, like, make that decision for myself to go to another house, like, stay at a friend's place.
1: Dude, I, you know, I'm wondering, um, your... Father Jefferson Downey has a long history of representing um, causes that remove people's bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the 90s, he represented the most militant anti abortion activists who. And in the 90s, you know, I don't know how much you know about the 90s and the anti-abortion movement, but they were violent. They were killing, um, (laughs) bombing, like they were really violent. Um, And so that was in the 90s. Did you, as a young person, did you know that about your... I'm assuming no, you, you know. Maybe not. your mom is part of that, like work, or maybe not. I mean, I don't know, but um,
0: I definitely like. I definitely knew that my father was very against abortions. Um, I like. I would, you know, I was one of those kids on O Street holding up signs saying "Choose Life." I didn't know why I was there. <laughs> I was like, I'm cold. I'm holding a sign. I don't really know what's going on, but I have to be here right now. So I definitely was, like, aware of that aspect of, like, we don't like abortions. We need to pray for these people that are going to have abortions. Um, But I I definitely was not aware of the intensity of his hate for those people and Planned Parenthood specifically.
1: Yeah. Did you... When did you know that your dad and your mom were on the board of nebraska family alliance like and that as a trans person living in nebraska Mm -hmm. they literally their organization ran the petition and now has successfully um will put on the ballot to put the question of your own civil rights um Mm -hmm. in lincoln nebraska like Did you, like, I don't know how long they've been involved with that organization. Like, when, how did you piece that all together?
0: So, I honestly, like, I knew about Nebraska Family Alliance, um, like, years prior, but I wasn't really aware of, like, them being on the board. I thought it was more of just, like, they're just kind of involved and they, you know, are there. But I found out when um the article was written about him by you guys um i found out that article
1: oh gosh you didn't tell me that (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna have to tell the author of the article
0: i know i it it popped up on my instagram page and i was like oh my god that is my dad and my heart just sank My, my I literally just, I I had to go to the bathroom. I had to read it. I had to cry. I was like, Jesus, that uh, when the article was written, that was when I found out that he was um, on the, like the president or on the board.
1: You know, fun fact, (laughs) uh, your dad represented a woman who was flipped off and called a neo-fascist Becky for, she was. Um, staffing a neo-fascist organization. <laughs> and and she got flipped off and she turned it into the biggest hurt feelings report anybody ever heard of. And she was so hurt that she got to be on stage with Donald Trump talking oh about how she didn't have free speech. Oh, God. Imagine being on stage with the president of the United States uh. and everybody's listening to you say, I don't have free speech right now. <laughs> what? Okay. So your dad um, tried to get um, all kinds, it's called an open records request. And he asked for one about every person he could, he thought was associated with seeing Red Nebraska and that he, he thought had a university association. Oh so my. He's going to be really. <laughs> he's going to oh. be happy about this.
0: You learn something new every day. Jeez. Oh gosh.
1: I'll send you the <laughs> link. We have a, we have another article. He's just the one you read was the second one. Um so that is just I'm still like <laughs> surprised. <laughs> so um okay. So, I what do you think that you, what do you think your um dad or either of your parents, believe about queer or transgender people?
0: Sometimes I truly do believe that they are just so ignorant and just, like, believe everything that they say um, that they are. Um, But when you take into account how they handled the sexual abuse, they really don't I'm really not worried about sharing bathrooms with pedophiles or predators. Like let's not lie to ourselves based off of the fact that you handled your own child's sexual assault. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would like to think that they don't see me that way and maybe they don't, but you don't come to these decisions like uh, right away. You don't, decide that you are going to try to revoke somebody's rights as a human right away I I think I don't know if certain events led up to it I don't know if me coming out had anything to do with it um
1: well tell me about that did you have a formal like let's sit down we're gonna have a coffee were you at the house were you not at the house like
0: hmm okay so did they immediately two-
1: put hands on you and start praying like <laughs> what happened just tell me what happened so I have two
0: coming out stories one when I came out as like bisexual um when I was like maybe like 17 no I was 18 actually so I actually never had the opportunity to come out as bisexual to my parents my mom forced my therapist to tell her um, that I was bisexual um, because I was 18 at the time when you're, I think you're a legal adult at 19 in Nebraska. Yeah. So yep, legally my therapist did have to tell her. So did not have the opportunity, but I was kind of, I don't know, strategical when I came out just cause I just, kind of told them what they wanted to hear. I was like, I'm bisexual. I'm never going to, I'm not going to act on these feelings. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to seek the Lord and whatnot. It was truly just survival mode for me at that point. Because when, like, once I realized, like when they knew I was like, this isn't going to fly under their house. You know, I'm going to have to survive as long as I can so I can get out. and then. Last February, I um, met up with them for dinner. And then, How did you get out? Oh, um, yeah, let's talk about that. So um, October 2019, I believe, I moved to Omaha and um, just saved up money, met, moved in with some friends, um, just started working. So when I moved to Omaha, um, I really just kind of like felt myself be able to like grow as a person because I got out of that toxic household and was able to make decisions for myself and have the friends that I wanted to always have, have the experiences that I've been wanting to have. Um, It was really a good learning and growing opportunity for me. Does that answer, should Mm -hmm. I delve a little deeper?
1: No, I mean, only if you want to. It's your story.
0: I mean, there's not a whole lot. I just saved up money and got the fuck out of the house, really.
1: I mean, a classic tale, really.
0: Yeah, classic Um. tale.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What did you, so then you came out as trans Mm -hmm. to your parents in person? Mm -hmm.
0: So had dinner with them and i hugged them and i was like this is going to be the last time that i probably will ever receive this kind of affection again so they went back to lincoln and i sent a text just like i'm trans i'm going by she her pronouns because I didn't even want to explain like to the non-binary aspect of my transness just because it's like, they're not going to understand that. They don't even understand being trans as it is. Um, and their response was, um, this is so sad. We are praying for you. My mom didn't even respond to the text. Um, she sent me like an email, <laughs> an email, okay, a couple days later. And pretty much just told me I was going to be a man till the day I died. I'm biologically man. This is not, this is not gonna work. Your hormones are not fully like, your brain's not fully developed. Just everything that you don't want to hear.
1: And then what happened after that?
0: I paid them, I owed them like a thousand dollars. I Venmoed them, and I told them, don't contact me again. And I've been living my best life since. I truly have.
1: And what would you say to people, because there's lots of people that are Mm -hmm. living with very religious, demanding respect from 11-month-old parents. Mm -hmm. What would you, what did you learn from that? Are there things where you think, I, made, I did this the best way I was able. I wish I would have maybe done some different things. Do you think it is possible that you could have salvaged the relationship with your parents? You know, like, what for somebody who's, like, on your journey.
0: Mm-hmm. I would say keep fighting. Keep having hope. Because I... When I was living in that house, I did not think that I was going to survive. And I didn't think I would be able to create this chosen family that I have had. And even with every hard experience that I've had, it somehow has become worth it because of the people that I have in my life and the community that I have. And I think that is such a big thing, community. Growing in that family, And seeking the people around you that will love and choose you for you without any change. And it's hard to find, but I think just continuing to love yourself, that is the best thing as well. Loving yourself and finding the community and the family around you. How
1: did you find your community in Omaha?
0: Um, honestly, through the DIY scene, just going to shows and meeting other artists. There's a lot of queer artists. If there's an artist, they're probably queer. So
1: listen, I was a theater major in college. I already know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, just like putting myself out there. And I didn't know anybody when I first moved here. And I just went to a like a like a fashion halloween show at like a local like vintage store and i met some people there and we went to like a a little like punk show or whatnot and that's literally where i met some of the closest people that i've ever that i have in my life and i'm so grateful to have
1: them as my family oh that's such good um like, this is such good advice like just you know like know what you're into and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and get into it get and as nerdy expressing. as you can about the things yeah. you're nerdy about if it's diy if it's antique fashion if it's golf club whatever like mm-hmm. get into your nerdy self whatever and it
0: I is also just
1: you'll find your people
0: expressing yourself 100 percent authentically that is when you are going to attract the people that are going to stay because you don't have to hide anything. Expressing yourself as authentically as possible, the people will come to you.
1: What do you think, I guess, you know, knowing that your parents knew you were trans well before this fairness ordinance thing, right? Mm -hmm. Several years before. So they know this. They know they are now not communicating with one of their children. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think is the purpose of this fairness ordinance? I think a lot of it is
0: fear. Um, Fear driven. Their generation has been told what to do all their life have been set in place for hundreds of years and now this new generation that is coming we're fearless and we we demand change and seeing that I thought scares the shit out of them because <laughs> they are not used to people going against the grain and pushing for change and um, I think it's just like they're so used to living this life that when just the slightest bit of like no or I'm pushing back it's like oh we gotta take it to 100 and you know try to overturn a fairness ordinance
1: yeah yeah what would you say is your what do you, what do you see as your future how bright is your future oh
0: uh. It's very bright. Um, I'm going to be moving soon. And I'm going to be in a bigger city. I'm going to go to school. I am honestly just ready to get out of this state that has held me back for so long. And I feel that I, um, you know, even as a kid, I knew that Nebraska wasn't going to be my home. Like I knew that I wanted to get out of here as fast as I could. I, as a kid, I would dream of like moving to New York or something like that, and that—not New York, but definitely moving out—and all very exciting. Oh, I
1: love all of that. I love all of that. Um, so I have to ask you this because we mm-hmm. do a lot of political chatter on this blog. Mm-hmm. The governor, and I don't know how much you know this, but the governor, the entire Republican Party, um, probably your parents, I don't know. Uh, the number one reason they say youth um, who could be future tax, pay- tax paying youth are leaving the state. And I need to know, are you hmm. leaving the state because property taxes are too high?
0: Oh, that's a tough question. No. 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 That is not the reason at all. It's because people are trying to control my body and where I can go to the bathroom.
1: Fair. Very fair. Okay, I just had to know. I need to make sure that was on the record.
0: Sorry to disappoint any of those Republicans, but it's not because of that. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> have you? Okay, so, and you're the youth, right? Like, you're this, like, really mm-hmm. vibrant, beautiful youth um, <laughs> and that we all want to stay and buy homes and pay taxes into the machine, right? Like, this is how the whole beautiful thing is structured. Do you have other friends in your age group are they moving away because Spoiler, of property taxes? all of
0: them. <laughs> oh, not the snow, not because oh. of property tax. Okay. But we are moving. We are, yes. People are, a lot of the young people and my friends, we are sick and tired of just this overly right grasp that the Republicans are trying to take over. I don't know. It's like, a, a lot of people are planning on moving because it's like, Just, like, the control, I would say.
1: Do you think the youth are excited about the Omaha skyscraper going up?
0: Oh, my God. I I personally, I am just thrilled. You know, I cannot wait to look up in that sky and see (laughs) a beautiful phallic-shaped building just (laughs) reaching up to the sun. And it even has, like, little, like, a ball at the end. I'm like, this is so realistic. This is crazy. But
1: I don't think I've seen... um, Pictures of what they're planning. I'm going to look now.
0: Oh, it's 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 beautiful. It's a sight for sore eyes.
1: Fabulous. <laughs> Fabulous.
0: <laughs> Just well, what <when> we need.
1: <laughs> well, Not <if> local businesses. <laughs> you are incredible. And I am, you know, it breaks my heart that anybody, but especially you, because you're a real person that I'm really talking to, that I'm getting to know. Um, but anybody, of course, but it's just been a rough go Mm -hmm. and you're awesome. You're awesome. Exactly how you are. And I am so grateful that you have come on the pod to talk to us tonight and share your story. And I really hope that people listen and people walk away with this idea that, well, I mean, if Eve could survive her parents, and make it and have this bright future in front of her I can't do mm-hmm. and if Eve can find her people I can find my people yeah you know like I think that's a really hopeful marker
0: mm-hmm. thank you so much for having me it means a lot to be able to share my experience and know that everything I went through it's not for nothing because I get to share it with other people
1: You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska Politics from the Left. Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, $10, or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com. (laughs) We'll be right back. <laughs> back.